you, everybody, this morning. How many are blessed to be here in the house of the Lord, worshiping Him? Amen. It's good to see everybody today. If you are new to our church, you are welcome. My name is Greg Johnson. I serve here as lead pastor. We're so blessed to have you here. If you're joining us at Mission Church Online, God bless you. It's good to have you with us as well. Amen. Well, go ahead and shake a hand or two or give somebody a hug before you're seated. Tell somebody welcome. Tell somebody God bless you. Tell somebody, man, you look good today. It's good to see you. What's up, Ray? How you doing, man? Praise the Lord. Amen. All right, take your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Acts. We are continuing on in our study in the book of Acts. We're going to be in uh, chapter 20 today, Acts chapter 20, and uh, we're going to be reading from verse 17. It says, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. This is talking about the Apostle Paul. And when they had come to him, to Paul, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. How many know that serving the Lord often does involve tears and trials? Does anybody know what that's about? Anybody at all? A couple people? How I kept back nothing that was helpful but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 22, And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me. Say that again. The Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself, that I may finish my race with joy, and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So, Father, we just ask for your grace this morning. For, Lord, I have a sense that there are are many, Lord, who are carrying a heaviness today that are going through some of those trials and some of those tribulations. Lord, we just pray that today, God, there would be a word in season from the Holy Spirit. That, Lord, you would speak into our lives that no matter what chains and tribulations we may face, that we could say with the Apostle Paul, but none of these things move me. Father, help us today in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul here is at the end of his third missionary journey, and uh, he went through the region of Galatia, throughout Asia, 
um, into Ephesus, was in Ephesus for almost three years. Just over two and a half years, Paul stayed in Ephesus there, building up the church. He went around the Aegean Sea into Philippi, Thessalonica, all the way down into Corinth and other cities. And uh, at one point during this journey, for reasons known only to the Holy Spirit, Paul felt compelled to return to Jerusalem. He felt called to go back to Jerusalem. So at the end of this third missionary journey, he boards a ship to take a direct route to Jerusalem. And on the way, he wants to stop in this city called Miletus, and um, he wants to meet with the Ephesian elders. He calls the Ephesian elders, the elders of the church there, to meet him in this city of Miletus. Um, and he, he had invested a lot in the church at Ephesus. He had built these relationships with these, um, these leaders there. And he wanted to talk to them because he knew something, something in, his, in his spirit told him that he would never see them again. And Paul knows that this call to Jerusalem was not going to be a season of rest for him. It was not going to be a time of relaxation and getting refreshed and, and getting renewed. Um, he wouldn't be going there just to visit old friends and, and, and family. He knows that in Jerusalem, a storm is waiting for him. He said in verse 23 that the Holy Spirit has testified. In other words, the Holy Spirit has shown him, has spoken to his heart, in every city that he went to, there was some confirmation to him that chains and tribulation awaited him in Jerusalem. In fact, it's demonstrated even further in Acts 21, in the very next chapter, where he goes to a city called Tyre, and the disciples there plead with Paul for seven days not to go to Jerusalem, because it's been revealed that there's going to be a storm waiting for Paul in Jerusalem. Also in that chapter, verse 10, it says at Caesarea, a prophet came and um, encountered Paul, took Paul's belt from his waist, and the prophet bound his own hands, and the prophet bound his own feet, and he said, thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt, and deliver him to the Gentiles. So there's prophetic word there that Paul is going to encounter some really hard, difficult times. And then it goes on to say that the disciples there, when they saw that prophet do that, they pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. But in verse 24 of our text, knowing all of these things, Paul knowing that chains and tribulation await him, he says, none of these things move me. None of these things will deter me. None of these things will distract me or stop me or pull me off the course that I have from the Lord for my life. He said, I know that a storm is coming into my life. I know that there will be resistance. There will be attacks. I know that there will be suffering and there will be loss. It will be hard. It will hurt. It will cost. Chains and tribulation await, but none of these things move me. If I'm in prison, even from prison, 
the Lord will hear my praise. (laughs) If I'm in chains, even from the chains, the Lord will get my worship. Pain, loss, wherever I find myself, I will not be deterred from trusting Him, from praising Him, from worshiping Him, from serving Him, from following Him. Now, some of us here today, we know exactly what this means. Maybe you've been put, maybe you've been put in chains. Maybe you've been arrested in some way. It might not be that you've literally, physically been arrested and locked up in a jail cell. But you know about the tribulation. You know about the resistance. You know about the loss. You know about the pain. You know about the extreme disappointment. So extreme that it binds you up. That it, that it, that it restricts you. It paralyzes you. It debilitates you. And I'm not just talking about you know, getting a flat tire on the way to church. Although that's not very fun either. I'm talking about a train wreck that hits your life. Some of you know what I'm talking about. The loss of a child. The loss of a spouse. The loss of your health. A career that ends abruptly. abruptly, A marriage that is falling apart. The bank forecloses on your house. Your business files for bankruptcy again. Chains and tribulations can come in many different forms in our lives, many ways, at any time. In fact, too often, those tribulations come when least expected. You were planning for retirement, years of rest and relaxation, but instead you're planning for a funeral. This is the reality where some people are at right now. You were looking forward to traveling and relaxing and enjoying life, but instead, you're sitting in a doctor's office planning chemotherapy treatments. You were looking at colleges, but now looking at caskets. You were preparing a nursing, a nursery, planning a reveal, gender reveal party, but now your heart is broken or devastated because of out of nowhere, some horrible tragedy has hit your life. Chains and tribulation come upon you. The advantage to Paul over many of us is that Paul had the benefit of being forewarned. He knew that a storm was coming. He had been warned of that. You've been told by the Holy Spirit that something is waiting for you at Jerusalem. The prophets told him. His friends told him. There was a sense that that he had that something was coming. The Holy Spirit revealed it to him. But for most of us, unlike Paul, there is no warning. The storm just appears. Out of nowhere. The dark clouds, the wind, and the rain just starts coming and blowing. It's not like, for us, it's not like it was for Mary, the mother of Jesus. You remember a storm hit her life. 
But she had the advantage of the angel coming and forewarning her. Remember that? When the angel appeared to her and, and he said, Mary, you're about to go through something. Something's going to happen to you. Something dramatic is coming upon your life. And you need to get your head around it. You need to get ready. You need to get ready for it. The next couple of days, your life, Mary, is going to be turned upside down in, in ways that no one would be able to understand or, or comprehend, right? But fear not, Mary. This is what the angel said. Fear not. You're going to give birth to something out of this crisis season in your life that is going to save and is going to heal and is going to deliver many, many people. Wouldn't it be nice if the angel showed up on our lives the day before the storm hit us? Wouldn't that be nice if we got that kind of forewarning, right? Where, where God shows up and says, I, just, I want you to know something's about to happen to you. You're, you're, something, you're going to go to the doctor. You're going to get a bad report or something's going to happen in your marriage or something's going to happen. And wouldn't it be nice to get that warning so we could be prepared for that and kind of get our spirit ready and get our praise on? How many know what I'm talking about? That would be great, wouldn't it? But it, it doesn't usually happen that way. For most of us, it's more like Job. You remember Job. Job was a good man. Job was a praying man. Job was a, a man who loved his wife, loved his family. He prayed daily for his kids, offered sacrifices unto the Lord. He said, if by chance they're not living right, I'm going to make sure that I'm living right for them and I'm, and I'm praying blessings into their lives. And he had no idea, absolutely, Job had no idea that things were aligning against him in the spiritual realm. The Scriptures say that the devil approached God and challenged God and said, you know, Lord, the only reason that Job serves you is because you've blessed him. The only reason that Job worships you and loves you and praises you so freely is because of all the good things that you've put into his life. That's what the devil said. The devil said, look at his home. Look at his, look at his family. Look at his business. Of course Job is serving you. He's so prosperous. But then the devil said, let me attack him. Let me bring a storm into his life. And I bet you, God, this is basically what the devil said, I bet you, God, that I can move him from a place of worship and praise to a place of anger and resentment and rebellion against you. I bet I can get him to curse you to your face. And so we read in, in Job's life that a storm came out of nowhere, from his perspective, out of nowhere. The winds blew and the house fell in upon his family, killing his ten children. Raiders from the north came and attacked his flocks and herds. Fire came from heaven and burned all of his crops. No warning, no signs, no prophet saying, get ready. No angel appearing and saying, something's coming, something's going to happen. No Holy Spirit giving him some kind of a spiritual impression, nothing. The winds just blew, the rains just fell, the storm just came. Talk about chains and tribulation, right? But what did Job do? Was Satan right? Was Satan right? Did Satan win that bet? Did Job move from a place of 
of trusting God and worshiping God and praising God and seeking God? Did he move from there into a place of anger against God and resentment against God? Did he curse God and die? No. Like Paul, Job said, I've lost my home, I've lost my business, I've lost my family, but none of these things move me. Naked I came into this world, and naked shall I return. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And he fell down, and he worshipped. None of these things move me. Now his wife was moved. You know the story. Mrs. Job. She was moved. As long as she was blessed, she was happy. As long as she had her her kids around her and her marriage was well and you know business and the money was coming in you know she loved to praise and loved to worship and was in that place of just thank you Jesus right it's easy to be in that place when the sun is shining amen yes right but once the tribulation hit she moved to a place of disappointment and despair that overwhelmed her she looked at her husband who was now covered in boils, painful boils. And she said to her husband, why do you retain your integrity? Just curse God and die. That's what she said to him. But nope, Job wouldn't do that. Job said, like Paul said, and like I hope all of us will be able to say, when the storm comes. I didn't say if the storm comes. I said when. Can everybody say when? When When the storm comes. Be able to say, no, none of these things move me. Now, I don't know what your uh, these things might be. You may be facing these things right now. Or these things that try to move us may be right around the corner. Just past the next blessing that God has for you. Maybe this time next year. We never know what the year, the mysteries that are unfolded through the year, right? We never know what's what's coming. Maybe it'll be at the next doctor appointment. Maybe it'll be at the next quarterly report. Maybe the next visit with your, your parents or your kids. I don't know what your these things may be, but I do know this. At some point, at some place, in some way, these things will come. Chains and tribulation await. Now, I know you're probably sitting there and you're thinking, what, what kind of a message is this? I didn't, you're telling me that pain and tribulation is going to come into my life? I didn't come here for that. I came in here to be uplifted and be encouraged and, you know, leave here with a happy smile, you know? And I, I, I trust that you will by the end of, of the day today, but understand something that we're not really after Happiness, because happiness is just an emotional response that comes and goes with the circumstances. Amen? What we're after is joy. Right? Joy is not a feeling. Joy 
Joy is a perspective. Joy is an attitude. Joy, joy is a choice that we make in response to circumstances. And the only way that we get to joy is through being prepared and being readied. And so my role as your pastor is not just to give you a happy smile. My role is to prepare us through the Word of God to be ready when chains and tribulation come. So I know you might say, well, that's, you know, this is, all, this is a negative confession, you know. This isn't faith. I don't receive this. You ever hear that? I don't receive that, right? I don't receive that. Well, you can not receive it all you want. You're welcome to do that, right? <laughs> but I got, some, well, I got some good news and some bad news for you. <laughs> the bad news is that Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation." That's the bad news. The good news, Jesus said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. That whatever you face, whatever comes into your life, whatever chains and tribulation may await you, I'll be with you in the chains and the tribulation. I'll give you the grace. I'll give you the comfort. I'll give you the peace. I'll give you the strength. I'll give you the joy. I'll give you everything you need to make it through. I won't leave you. Amen. So, the question is, not whether or not Jesus will move away from us in our chains and tribulation. The question is, will we move away from Him in our chains and tribulation? Because I've seen people get moved by things, and you probably have too. If you've lived long enough and walked with the Lord long enough, you've probably seen this happen. It happened not only to Job's wife, it happened to a lot of wives and a lot of husbands. And others, the storm comes into their life and shakes them and moves them. Moves them from a place of praise and worship to a place of anger against God and resentment. Moves them from a place of, of trusting God and knowing that He's good to a place of, of questioning His mercy, questioning His goodness, questioning His plan. Moves them from a place of Declaring the great works of God through songs of praise and, and through Scripture to a place of silence. Just silence where the enemy has been able to steal their praise, been able to, 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 to strip the garments of praise from their life and put on them instead a sense of hopelessness and fear and frustration and disappointment. The storm comes into their life. The winds blow and this rains move, the rains fall and the floods come and it just sweeps, it just moves them away from that place of steadfastness. Moves them from pressing toward the goal of the prize of the upward calling in Christ Jesus. Moves them from laying hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of. Of them, moves them from their calling, moves them from their convictions, moves them from their steadfastness to a place empty of praise, empty of trust, a place full of bitterness and resentment and anger that can only say, curse God and die. Because, you know, miserable people are only happy when everyone else around them are miserable. Amen? Hello? <laughs> don't, don't point at anybody, okay? That's not a, not a good place to say. He's talking about you right now. That's, I don't recommend that. <laughs> yeah. 
You know, the book of Hebrews talks about a shaking that God often brings people through. Hebrews 12, 27. And it indicates that in that season, that time of shaking, the removal of things that can be shaken. That, in other words, God allows tribulations to come with the potential to shake us, to see how stable our trust in Him truly is, and to reveal how secure our faith is, how, how steady our belief is, how firm our anchor really is set in Him. And He removes those things that can be shaken, that can be moved. And I have a sense that for some of us, a storm is coming. A storm is coming. And uh, that's the heaviness that's on my heart as I was preparing this word today. And, and the heaviness that's kind of on me as I'm, as I'm ministering this morning is a sense that a storm is coming. And that all we can do right now is, is prepare ourselves and get our heads right. Right? Like the angel came to Mary and said, something's coming into your life. From God's perspective, it's good. From God's perspective, it's, it's a game changer. It's a world changer. It's what the world needs, right? But from your perspective, it's going to be hard. But the angel was saying, get your head right. Don't be moved by it, right? Paul, being warned over and over again, change and tribulation, awake. But Paul had gotten to that place where he said, whatever comes, it's not going to move me. It's not going to move me away from my Lord. Right? So I have a sense that a storm is coming into some lives. That a storm is even coming to the church. I don't mean just the mission church. I mean the church. Right? And the Bible says that, that in the last days, sin will abound and the love of many will wax cold. Things don't, how many understand? Things don't get easier for the church as we move towards the last days. Does anybody understand that? I know we get upset and we get all worked up, you know, in a pickle because we see things, you know, that are happening in our culture and the church is being pressured and whatnot. And, and I said, well, this is just, you know, <laughs> lift up your heads and rejoice for your salvation draws near, Right? None of these things move us. These things should not move us. We should not get angry and, and fall into despair and, and a rotten attitude. We should just say, you know what? <laughs> we expected this. We were, we, what we're told in the Word of God, this is what's going to happen. Right? So, no, I'm not going to lose the joy of the Lord. I'm not going to lose a cheerfulness in my spirit. I'm not going to lose an, an ability to look optimistically at the future because I know the end of the story. I know what happens in the end. That the king is coming on a, on a white horse. <laughs> Hallelujah. None of these things move me. I know that's, you know the grand scheme of things, and when you're in your own life and you're going through a fire, it's, it's hard. I know it's hard. And, and um, I want to reassure you that, that God gives the grace. He gives the grace that we need to not be moved. Everybody say, not be moved. To not be moved. Right? Paul said, none of these things move me. And what was it about Paul that enabled him to remain unmoved by the chains and tribulation that he knew we're going to hit his life. Verse 22 says, he said this. He said, see now, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem. First thing, he was bound in the Spirit. There was certain truths 
that Paul was anchored to, that he was bound to, that were locked into his character, that were locked into his, his perspective, that were locked into his, his mentality. For him, it was this calling to go to Jerusalem. It was a conviction that he was cemented into, he was anchored into, right? And it was a non-negotiable. This is what we need if we are going to be, remain unmoved in our chains and tribulations. There needs to be certain truths that we are anchored to. Non-negotiables in our lives that stay with us through the good times and through the bad times. Right? What are they? What, what are the non-negotiables in your life? What are those things that you will desperately cling to even though chains and tribulations await? I hope the answer to that question for you is simply this, Jesus. Jesus. No matter what chains, no matter what tribulation, no matter what the doctors report, I will cling to my Savior and trust in His goodness. Though I may not understand, though I may not be able to figure it out, I'm not going to lean on my ability to understand. Amen? We lean not on our own understanding, but we trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. Certain truths, right? That we need, to, we need to be locked to. I like the resolution that John, Jonathan Edwards had. He said he had two resolutions. Two resolutions. Resolution number one, I will live for God. Resolution number two, if no one else does, I still will. <laughs> right? What if the storm comes and most of the people you know who call themselves Christians are moved? They don't show up anymore. They don't worship anymore. They don't serve the Lord anymore. Will you still do it? Right? What will it take? That, that's kind of, you know, that's the devil thought that in Job's life, all it would take, you know, is, well, not all. I mean, it was pretty significant that these significant crises would move Job away from his faith. And what is the devil, when he looks at your life or my life, what is his calculation there? What does he say, you know what, I think I could get that person to curse God. I think I could get that person to turn their back on, on, on their faith and on, and on the church of God and on the word of God. I think if I could just touch this in their life, or if I could attack this in their life, or if I could destroy that in their life, I bet you they'll curse God. Right? The devil has a theory about you. He has a theory about me. And sometimes the Lord allows him to test that theory because God wants his grace to be glorified in your life. You are a trophy of his grace, right? And sometimes he just allows those chains and tribulations to come to just polish the trophy a little bit because he wants to see his glory reflected in your life. So he says, go ahead, devil, I'll let you do it, right? And it's in those moments when we praise God, in those hard times, in the chains and the tribulations that God is most glorified. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying today? Yeah, we, we tend to think this whole thing is about us, right? That, that you know, the, the only reason Jesus died on the cross was just so I could escape, you know, e- eternal damnation. The, the reason why Jesus died on the cross was to reclaim ownership of mankind so that he could be Lord again over our lives and that in our lives he would be glorified. It's not about us. It's about Him. Everything that we go through that happens to us is about the glory of God. Amen? That's what it's about. It's about the glory of God. And then he said this. He said, I do not count my life dear to myself in verse 24. Nor do I count my life dear to myself. In other words, Paul, he wasn't living for himself. 
Life was not about what he could get for himself, what he could acquire for himself. It wasn't just about more assets. It wasn't just about more square footage. It wasn't just about the next nicer, nicest toy and you know, material thing that he could get. He lived. His life was for the glory of God, for his calling and for the purposes of God. Right? In another place in Philippians, he wrote, the purpose of my life is to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold to me. He said, I, I have purpose, I have destiny, I have reason for being in my life, and I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That was the pursuit of his life. Now, that's not that we shouldn't be concerned about the things of this Life, you know, having a home, having a job. I'm not saying we shouldn't be concerned about these things, but too many of us make those things the focus of our lives. They become idols. And we spend all of our energies building our own empires, pursuing the things of this life that we think are going to make us happy. And then we, then we tether our joy, our peace our contentment to those things. You follow what I'm saying? The quality of my life is dependent on my house. The quality of my life is dependent on my circumstances. The quality of my life is dependent on having this or having that or being healthy or having this plan or this retirement or this or that. My joy, my peace, it's all connected. And, And here's the thing. The devil knows that if our joy and our peace is connected to all the things of this life, all he has to do is come and destroy the things of this life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We make ourselves easy targets. And and God says the whole point of the chains and the tribulations is I'm trying to shake you free from those things that you are trusting in to make you complete. I'm trying to shake you free from all of those things that you need to have to be able to worship and serve and trust and praise me. I'm trying to shake you free from the idols of this world. And then he goes on to say, in verse 24, that I may finish my race with joy. His joy came not, Paul's joy came not from the things of this earth. They came from an eternal perspective that he had. An eternal perspective. You know, some of us, we don't, we, we don't really have any interest in going to heaven because life's so good down here. Right? I mean, we, we look at our life and we're like, I don't, you know, I really don't want Jesus to come back. I kind of, you know, I just got this nice house. I just got a new car. I like to drive it around a little bit, you know, before, you know, Jesus, just hold on. Give me a couple days, Right? We're so focused on the things of this world and getting our joy and our contentment from these things. We have no eternal perspective. We have no eternal perspective. We do not look at life through the lens of eternity. But Paul was able to say, none of the things of this life move me because I'm not focused on this life. I'm focused on eternity. Nothing in this life. So, I, all right, I got, a, I got a bad doctor's report, right? All right? I, I mean, I, I know people right now that will tell you, yeah, I probably have about six months left to live. I know people right now. They're going through that in the hospital right now, right? But to be able to face that and say, but none of these things move me. Because, all right, so if, I, if my life ends in six months, I'm going to go be with Jesus, I mean, it's a win, right? Either way, God heals me, a miracle, awesome. I don't get healed, I go to heaven, hallelujah, right? 
But our joy is so tied and so connected to the things of this life that we can't get beyond the chains and tribulations. And they move us. They bind us up. And so this is just a reminder to us, right, that this earth is not our home. This kingdom, I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat or who you vote, I don't care. This kingdom is not our home. This kingdom is is easily shaken. How many have noticed that? Amen? The kingdom of America is easily shaken. That's what we have seen happen, you know, in some of these global affairs over the past few months. How easily the kingdoms of this earth are shaken. But the good news is this. I am a citizen of a greater kingdom, an eternal kingdom that cannot be shaken. Hallelujah. <laughs> right? The world looks at you and says, how can you be so, how can you be so optimistic and, and so happy when you see all the things that are going on around here? And you can just say, oh, these things are temporary. Amen? I try not to get, I don't, I don't connect my joy to whether or not I have to wear a mask. Oh. Right? I mean, is your joy, really? Is your joy dependent on whether or not you have to wear a mask? If that's the case, you are an easy target for the enemy. Because all he has to do is bring something to you that says you've got to wear a mask, and now you're all angry and bitter, and you're all, you know, all upset. And I just saw a headline this morning that, that some people were visiting in New York City from some southern state. They were told by the, the, um, uh, the receptionist in the restaurant you know, that they, they had to wear a mask and did they have their vaccine, and they beat the woman up. Yeah! They beat her up! I don't know, some of you are thinking, well, it serves her right. No, it doesn't serve her right! We're so wrapped up in the things of this, this world, and, and, and the Lord brings a shaking in to reveal how wrapped up in the things of this world we are. Try to shake us free from it. So you need to get an eternal perspective. This life is just, it's, it's, it's just a vapor. It's just a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. Hallelujah. And that's liberating. Amen. Let's stand together. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. We are hard-pressed on every side. You know what that means? That means I am constantly under pressure. I am constantly under stress. It never ends. Yet not crushed, he says. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, yeah, I get beat up a lot. And he did get beat. I mean physically, physically beat up. Struck down, but not destroyed. None of these things move me. Hallelujah. We do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction. Can you say light affliction? It's only light because it's temporary. It's just temporary. Whatever you're facing, whatever report you've received, it's just temporary. For a moment, working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. For while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are what? What are they? Come on, what are they? They're temporary. The things which are not seen are eternal. We need to start seeing the things that are not seen. Amen? 
We need to be able to start seeing the things that the world can't see, the flesh can't see, the things of eternity. And if you're here today, and you're, you're right now, you feel like you are, your life is on fire. And you feel like, man, you are in the chains and the tribulation. And, 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 and you're hearing this word and you're saying, but I am being moved. I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling angry. I'm, I'm feeling bitter. My first question to, to you is this. Is Jesus with you in your tribulation? Do you have Jesus in your life? Because when you have Jesus in your life, he gives you the grace that you need. He doesn't take all your problems away. It doesn't work like that. How many know that? Right? Jesus is not Santa Claus. He comes into the tribulation with us. And he gives us the strength and the grace that we need. But here's the thing. You have to invite Jesus into your life, first of all. If you're here today, you have never asked Jesus to come into your life as Lord and Savior. You can do that right now, today. In fact, I want to lead you in a prayer from right where you're, you're standing. You can just stand there. You can, you can pray this prayer as step one in a new life with Jesus. Let's bow our heads together. Repeat this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner, but I believe Jesus Christ, God the Son, died on the cross for me. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sin and give me eternal life. And I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm going to lean on you, Lord. Give me the grace that I need. Give me the wisdom that I need. Give me the strength that I need. In Jesus' name, amen. If that was the first time that you ever prayed that prayer, I would encourage you on your way out to stop by the Welcome Center and just tell somebody there, yeah, I prayed that prayer at the end of the service today, and we have some information that we want to give you. Hallelujah. How many are able to say, none of these things move me? Are you able to say that today? Come on, say it with me. None of these things move me. Come on, say it again. None of these things move me. When they say chains and tribulation await, what are you going to say? Come on, say it again. None of these things, Lord, help us today, God, to be firmly fixed in your grace and to not be moved by the trials of this world, Lord, to not be shaken, Lord God, but to know it's all temporary, and we are eternal beings in Christ Jesus. Come on, let's take a moment. Let's worship the Lord. Let's give God praise and thanks for His grace in our lives.